So how was that metal episode of uh, this uh, of uh, whatever that show Blanchard did with you? It was okay, uh, actually, because Chuck was on there. That guy knows his shit. I mean, he was putting me to shame. <laughs> you know, Blanchard he he admitted up front that he didn't really know much about metal, so it was mostly me and Chuck talking metal for an hour. I do have some very bad news that's going to rock the Animation Aficionados podcast and cause a lot of sadness for our listeners. I found out this morning that due to a casting change, the What's on Joe Mind podcast ad has to be discontinued. Aww. I got a new one because one of the, one of the uh, hosts left. We love the, the original ad because they're like, this is a podcast and we make fun of Chuck sometimes. And Chuck's like, right, and we... Hey! It seems like Chuck's a pretty cool guy. We should get him on something. Yeah, I haven't contacted him yet. I'm sure we can get him. Good. When Blanchard sent me a bunch of the GeekCast ads, that was actually not one that he gave me. I, when we were doing the crossover, I, he gave me like some, some raw tracks of his recordings, and he had the ads in there. I'm like, you know, this one's pretty funny. I think I'll just keep using this. Mm. So, let's have a moment of silence for the What's on Joe Mind podcast ad that we loved so much. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we're talking about Gargoyles, uh, the series uh, co-created by Frank Parr and uh, written mostly by uh, Michael Reeves. Uh, you know, of course, know my co-host, TV's Mr. Neal. You better find yourself someplace to hide and keep praying that nobody ever finds you. Okay, uh, and we have with us from Authentic Geek. JT from Saskatoon. I love Star Trek reunion shows. Yeah, but they're usually called Trekkies. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Gargoyles, uh, co-created by Frank Parr, and uh, most of the great episodes are actually written by Michael Reeves. It's it's amazing because because uh, earlier I kind of poo-pooed Michael Reeves about his work on the 87 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was silly as all hell. I think I should take that back. I'm sorry, Michael Reeves. You're actually a kick-ass writer because uh, all of season one is pretty much Michael Reeves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the best episodes of season two is Michael Reeves. It's like uh, City of Stone was Michael Reeves. And uh, the uh, final episodes of, of the series proper was Michael Reeves. Uh, Frank Parr directed a lot of the best episodes. And uh, it's just fascinating. It's Of course, we also talk about one of the other creators, uh, Greg Weissman, who I have a sinking suspicion is a lot like uh, Gene Roddenberry or George Lucas, because he he has he when he's in the executive producer credits, the stuff he's on is pretty good. But when he writes stuff, when he actually pen the paper writes a story, the episodes are usually crap. And he did not write a single episode of Gargoyles. Really? No, his, his, his there is no name. On Gargoyle season one or season two, Greg Weissman. He did write the first episode of the Goliath Chronicles, which is the only one that really matters. But no, he, the writing credits is mostly Michael Reeves. You look at this; it's Michael Reeves, huh. Michael Reeves, Michael Reeves. I'm going to send you the uh, link just so you can see. All well, Mike- maybe he had the George Lucas stamp of approval. Like I'm not going to write anything, but I have this stamp that says it's approved. Stamp, stamp, stamp. <laughs> And uh, like I said, the funny thing to me is he wrote one of the worst episodes of The Craft Man. He, pen, pen the Paper wrote that episode where, where he implied Mr. Freeze killed the Waynes. Oh, oh, that episode. Yeah. Physically wrote that episode. So I, I think that's all you really need to know. And it's such it's done in such a sloppy way anyway where you're left wondering, wait, did that actually imply what, what I think it meant? Because <laughs> it, it – it's not even that clear cut. It's just kind of 
it it feels like a like an unintended implication. Mm. Yeah, that yeah, was a I very agree. strange episode. Yeah, I agree. It is a very strange episode. But let's talk about the series Gargoyles proper. It is a uh, it is about uh, another species on this planet Earth called gargoyles, which turn into stone with sunlight. So they're kind of like the old myths of trolls and ogres that turn to stone in daylight. And then at nighttime, they come alive and they protect castles and stuff. And, and you know, the basic principle of the story is, you know, a thousand years ago in a Scottish castle, these gargoyles were betrayed by the humans they swore to protect, put got a magic spell put on them that, uh, Okay, Neil, just just cut uh, just cut uh, Keith David's telling the story here. Okay. One thousand years ago, superstition and the sword ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of gargoyles. Stone by day, warriors by night. We were betrayed by the humans we had sworn to protect. Frozen in stone by a magic spell for a thousand years. Now here in Manhattan, the spell is broken, and we live again. Okay, and uh, yeah, Spawn was on Saturday morning. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith David. Look, you crazy mother. The premise was they were betrayed and had a spell put on them that they would only return to life once the castle rose above the clouds or something like that. And that was kind of a cool setup for what actually happened, which which is that the castle was moved to New York City and put on top of a building. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This I love this premise. I love the fact that there's a, a city in New York with a castle on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, you look at the building and it's just like, I, I know nothing about architecture and load-bearing members and construction materials. I think that building should have been a lot wider at the base to support a freaking castle. Well, you That's can see true. all those load-bearing members on the bottom there. I think I think there was some thought put into it, but uh, still, you don't you don't get much more gothic than that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. In I the, mean, it looked yeah, look badass. And you know, anytime you know the billionaire David Zantos, anytime he walks into a club, everyone's like, uh, yeah, I can't measure up. And that's another thing. The main antagonist of the series was uh, David Xanatos, uh, played by Will Riker, uh, Jonathan Frakes. And his biggest thing is is he always does uh, Machiavellian-style uh, plotting with, with plots within plots. But the but you know what? That's kind of cool and all, but at the same time, it's, it's overblown because most episodes, he is rarely the villain-villain. Except in the five-parter. Yes, it's a five-parter. <laughs> Oh no! Awakening. Is this secretly a Sunbow production? Oh, uh, Michael Reeves. <laughs> uh, the first five episodes are written by Michael Reeves, but the interesting thing is, all of season one is actually anime is directed by Japanese animators. It's only season two where Frank Parr steps in and starts directing. But yeah, I have a theory about how this is produced, and where season one they just. Uh, they're like, okay, we're going to get TMS to animate. We're going to let the Japanese animators do it. Because I always have a sinking suspicion that for a Disney property, Disney doesn't know what the fuck to do with gargoyles. No, that would make sense because, you know, it's adult and there's blood and people actually want to watch it. And like half the other crap they put on TV nowadays. And all they knew at the time was like DuckTales and, oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's this like is. The most adult they ever got was like Darkwing Duck. <laughs> oh, before gargoyles, yeah. But uh, overall, the first five parts, and I know Neil's just sighing at the thought of, oh my god, they made a, they made a, they made a theater length movie as the opening episode, and in uh, the production order, you know, the most interesting thing is the production order. It's just really wacky. But overall, the whole episode is, uh, you know, the whole first season gets us introduced to these characters and. The funny thing is how they get all their names. All the gargoyles got their names. Like, Goliath already had his name. But all the others were named based off of landmarks in New York. Lexington, Broadway, Hudson, Bronx. No, that, that was one thing I loved. Like, when they're when you see them, like, pre-Stone Curse, how they're, well, what they're talking to a kid, and they're like, what's your name? Well, we don't have names. Well, yeah, you do. It's, hey, you. 
they were all named Hey You. Yes. And now that that's the one thing I like that the naming thing where that whole scene is like the city has a name. Does the river have a name? You know, Ed yes, the Hudson and says, "Well, I will be called the Hudson then." Yeah, and they never called him the Hudson. It was always Hudson. But uh, anyways, uh, anyway, season uh, season one was fairly good, except they had a gun episode. Uh-oh. Was it season one? I thought that was season two. No, it was season one. Episode was Deadly Force, written by Michael Reeves, where uh, where it was uh, Broadway accidentally shoots Elisa with her own gun. And uh, some props I have to give here is the character of Elisa, the, the female cop, that uh, she is obviously a mixed race, but they never really, you know, brought it out and shot it in your face. Except in episodes where they actually showed her parents. You know, they never really threw it in your face too hard. Well, yeah, they, they, they respected that. It's like, hey, it, he's Native American, she's black, and, you know, it's, yeah, they just never made race a big thing in the series, which was great. I mean, it's kind of kind of going to the whole, especially in the third, in the Goliath Chronicles, you know, the where Disney is like, we could make it better. Let's teach kids about racism. I mean, and uh, I, I, I'm all for teaching them lessons, but do you have to be that freaking overt? Well... You know, my my theory of how to handle race is to do whatever you want as far as the character's ethnicity, but once you write the story, write about the character. Do not write about whatever yeah. the stereotypical problems for that race is. You do not do that. And you concentrate the, <clears throat> on the character, about who she is as a person. Yeah, and also with the with the you know season one and the beginning parts of season two. Very interesting thing is. There, there are plots where Xantos is not really, you know, outright fucking with the gargoyles. He's just doing his own thing. And then the gargoyles stumble upon it and they decide, oh, it's Xantos. We must stop him. I remember there were times when they actually fuck up something that actually would help another character because they so distrust Xantos. But they never really played on that. Yeah. Like with Elisa's brother, they, they, they fucked that situation up. And, uh, no. and also... Hey, hey. Sorry, you go, then. You, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's, uh, I don't know if that was intentional on the writer's part to just really make the gargoyles so thick. Well, not, I mean, <laughs> stone. To be thick as a brick. Uh, just the idea that, you know, like, like you said, they, they, they go in and they think they're doing the right thing, but is the right thing the right thing? You know, because they're, they're, yeah, it's not Santos isn't fucking with the gargoyles. He's actually trying to do, you know, it's going to bet, benefit him in some Machiavellian way. But is it really a bad thing what he's doing, by yeah. and large? You know, so it's stuff like that that I really enjoyed about you know the fact that there was a maturity in the writing like that. And another thing is uh, one of the other ongoing uh, villains of this series is the Pack, which started as like a reality TV show that later became outright supervillains. What you're saying is Disney is responsible for the blight upon humanity that is Jersey Shore? Yes. Uh... And one of them is actually voiced by Cree Summer. And uh, and the whole idea of the pack is they're just like, you know, stuntmen slash mercenaries. Slash, they never really defined what their show was. I think it's like an A-team thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they actually were experts that, that became actors or if they were just like doing like the dog or something, they never really defined it. And then, and then all of a sudden they became evil because Xantos hired them. And then Xantos gave them upgrades that were kind of not very nice. That sounds like a wrestling storyline where, like, a tag team will be good and then, you know, they'll, they'll align themselves with uh, uh, Bobby Heen and then suddenly <laughs> their entire moral structure changes. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, talking about how the changes weren't that nice to the characters. I mean, Dingo is the only one that's kind of like, yeah, I'd rather not be a walking freak show, but that armor looks pretty kick-ass. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to take the power armor, and everyone's like, oh, just tear off my arms and legs, give me robot arms and legs, and, and, and turn me, me into a wolf man. I don't care. It's like, and, and Dingo's like, um, I'm the same one here. Just just give me the power armor. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know you people anymore. <laughs> Because, and I, I mean, speaking about Wolf, I mean, okay, it's uh, the Friggin' Kurgan, Clancy Brown, yes. a.k.a. Mr. Krabs. Uh, one of the things with uh, Wolf was after he got the genetic modifications, how the angrier he gets, the more wolf-like he gets. 
and because I'd seen I've read other comic books with like an animal type thing, you know, from like the old EC comics, how, you know, the further they go, the harder it is to get back. And I was like, oh, just leave them like permanently like half wolf with like, you know, the 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 jaw thing like give him that American werewolf in London look and it's like nah he just reverts to like this hairy guy with like wolf legs because he gets those haunches yeah oh god and and just I mean to speak about okay hyena and jackal who get like the uh, cybernetic upgrades which were okay that was that was the cybernetic upgrades of the nineties where you get the colorful exo armor and they got you know go go gadget arms and legs and you know i i love the fact that uh hyena was a chick right yeah she was voiced by Cree summer yeah you know Cree summer how you know she has like this bare midriff so i'm wondering between that and like that little bit around the neck and shoulders area is that really the only organic material that's left it's like hey she's a chick and a cyborg but we still gotta make her sexy <laughs> Oh God! It's it's Disney in the '90s. I don't think they're putting that much thought into it, but yeah, she's a chick. She's a villain. She's still got to look kind of hot. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's other things like uh, you know, really the pack was the first real villain, and one member of the pack, you know, escapes from you know the the horrors of reality TV and breaks into high high society. A, a fox marries uh, Xanatos. Yeah. And she also, uh, she she also uh, in, during the wedding is the one where it establishes how Xanatos uh, creates his fortune by traveling back in time and getting a coin that's dirt cheap in the past, but he sells it for like a, his first million dollars in in the year 1990, and that's how he got his fortune. Mm. Yeah. The whole uh, what do you call it, self fulfilling prophecy sort of thing. Yeah. But then your mind will turn inside out. It's like, okay, but if he didn't go back into the past, would he have still gotten the coin? And, oh, dear, I've gone cross-eyed. And you know, uh, it's best not to think about it. But uh, another one of the villains is uh, is Goliath's old uh, love interest, Demona, voiced by uh, Marina Sirtis. And uh, that, that character is kind of okay, but the, the biggest problem I have with her is just her huge irrational hatred of anything human. To the point where she is just so evil that that in and, and you, you know what if you could do that do that but the the problem with that is to keep on going back to oh we have to keep on redeeming her character just a little bit so people don't feel really bad about it but you really can't do that to someone who's who's a uh, who's a genocidal maniac you know what I mean it's, it's like trying to redeem Hitler you don't redeem Hitler yeah no. well no I mean that's uh, in the city of stone for a part. You know, they where it goes back to like her connection to the another one of my my favorite villain slash anti-hero of the series was Macbeth uh, in the City of Stones. Sort of like how they go back and you see how she just got more and more twisted as time went on because she was inadvertently responsible for the massacre at the castle that uh, where all the rest of the clan was smashed except for the main cast. And she's like, it's all my fault. It's all, it's the humans. It's just like this switch goes and she just completely exits reality. And you know what? People don't really do that, except if they, except that they have uh, Apple products. But, uh, <laughs> but really, you know, City Stone was a great four-parter. But it was after that, you know, they introduced other characters like they had uh, Coldstone, who was voiced by Michael Dorn. But that was not a big Coldstone fan. I, I just thought, oh, this is a kind of twisted idea. It didn't really grab me. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'm, ju- I'm trying to lead this uh, to uh, to the downfall of the series, I think. The 13 Backdoor Pilots. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and I've spoken to Ben about this before, Neil. There's three of the Backdoor Pilots probably would have made good series. The rest of them, Wiseman just wanted more money. Let's see. Let, let, me, let me tell. Also known as the Goliath on a boat saga. It's yeah. Anyways, it starts with they go to Avalon, where where they they awaken King Arthur and and shit goes down. It's you have to watch the episodes to really understand. I, I'm not going to explain it all. Um, 
And then they keep on going to these other places on this magic boat that takes them to where they're needed. They go, you know, they they save the Loch Ness Monster. That wasn't a backdoor pilot. They go to Parrish. That wasn't a backdoor pilot. They go to Prague. That was a backdoor pilot. That was the, that was Greg Weissman pitching an idea of a show about a rabbi and the stone golem fighting crime. I don't think that, and I've argued that with Ben, I don't think that was a backdoor pilot. Considering totally every other backdoor pilot. No, okay. The uh, native, what's his name, Ancelotti, like the Native American who rejects his heritage, but then realizes he really is meant to be the hero. That was a backdoor pilot. The was it the Ku Klain episode with the Banshee? That was a backdoor pilot. The Jewish one, that was a done in one. The only thing that lasted from that series is they brought the uh, Clancy Brown thug criminal back in like the th- end of the second season. There's there's other backdoor pilots. Let's talk about some more of them. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, like the, the uh, British Gargoyles was a backdoor pilot. The uh, let's see here, the, the one with the one with Anubis was not a backdoor pilot. Uh, well, the one with uh, King Arthur and Macbeth. That was a backdoor pilot. That was a show that uh, that uh, Weissman writes a lot about. If you ever, if you ever read an interview about Weissman, Weissman loves to go into these backdoor pilots. He talks about, oh yeah, I had this show called Pendragon. It was going to be about King Arthur in the modern age. I had this idea and that idea, and oh my god, it would have been awesome. And yeah, and uh, let's see here. The uh, yeah, that one. Let's see. The New Olympians was a backdoor pilot. Uh, yes. Let's see here. Walkabout was a backdoor pilot where Dingo was. Merged with a with, with a show called Law and Order, believe it or not, where Dingo merges with uh, with uh, with a nanite co- colony and decides to uh, enforce their their form of law and order, and yeah. Japanese gargoyles. That was a backdoor pilot, and actually the funny thing is Weissman says we worked so hard to make sure a Japanese studio got that episode. And Neil and I have a theory that if you write a an episode of anything in an American cartoon, very, very stereotypical of what Americans think Japanese is and send over to Japan. The Japanese studio is like, Oh fuck you. Okay. Not the A staff, not the B staff. The janitorial staff is going to animate this one. Yeah. <laughs> because it happened in transformers. One yeah. of the worst animated episodes of all time was one done, done by Toei. It was the last episode of season three. Well, before they decided to add two more episodes, Optimus Prime. But <laughs> it's it's Rodimus Prime in Japan, and, and he loses the Matrix, and this guy's like, oh, oh, you are lying, Autobots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a theory that the Japanese studio gets this, and it's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> it was someone who had just watched The Karate Kid and was like, we need to make this guy like Mr. Miyagi. What I love is the Mr. Miyagi guy in that Transformers episode was actually cutting off Decepticon legs with a katana. <laughs> it's it's like, okay, just wake off to the Japanese a little bit more. They're not going to like it. And they didn't, because that's the animation they gave you. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, congratulations. You have got better results sending that to a Korean studio, Greg Weissman. Oh. And then there was the, oh, oh, here, here's one of my favorites, uh. They did an episode where they where they go to the land of the ice and snow and meet Odin, and uh, that was not a backdoor pilot. Actually, that kind of was because they did meet a they did meet a Norse family there. Remember, JT? No, I remember that. So that was a backdoor pilot. And then the the I green. I think you're I think you're still stretching with that one. And then the green that was a backdoor pilot about gargoyles fighting uh, environmental South terrorists in the rainforest. South American vampires. <laughs> So what? was this was this all like did the he Gar- did Greg Gar- Weissman Sorry. like uh, watch TGIF on on ABC and be like oh this this is the model we need to go with we need we need all these shows that are all based off of one another and you know spun off from each other well yeah yeah Family Matters spun off of Perfect Strangers because huh? uh, Harriet Winslow was the was the uh, uh, elevator operator yeah there was a reason that a bunch of those shows all took place in uh, Chicago. Because they knew that you live there. No. They're coming to get you, Neil. <laughs> and then a bunch of lol cows find the house that uh, the Winslows lived at and do a dance on <laughs> It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. 
Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe talk meets sports talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, and we... Okay, seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind, every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's alright. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Like you, you and I talked about, the, at least I don't know how you felt about the uh, Easter Island uh, episode Sentinel. Yeah, that was another pilot. Although I, I think that and Pendragon would have been the best one. But yeah, the, 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 the green one, that was, Neil shot a mighty fuck you to the episode about the rainforest. Oh, yeah. It's one of these, you know, I don't I don't mind the, the, the stories that are like, you know, we, we shouldn't fuck up the planet or stuff like that. But when you start saying that there are cures in the rainforest, fuck you. I mean, give give science a little bit of credit. Come on, this this I mean, magic pollen will cure this cut. Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I remember watching that episode, thinking, you know what, that might be possible, but you know, there, there's probably stuff like that. You know, hey, here's this pollen; it'll help heal your cuts. With you know, a couple of million dollars and a couple of years of development, it might become something, but it's not like, yeah, just sprinkle this salt on the wound and wrap it in some grass clippings. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I have in my fanny pack some triple antibiotic. Would you like that instead? Oh no, you you want the pollen? Okay, good luck. Yeah, and, I think uh, the one beyond that, the one thing that really annoyed me about that episode was uh, I can't was it is it heck I can't remember the guy's name that voiced like the the red serpent uh, gargoyle. I the one that looks like Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, was it Hector Elizondo? I think yeah. is his name. Uh, it's like every fifth word, fifth and sixth words were the green. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what, what, I love is, the green. what I love, what I love is, uh, they're in South America, which had its own culture for years. And these are gargoyles that have lived in on their own away from society. And they speak Spanish amigos and, 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 and stuff like that. I'm like, no. Well, you take what you're saying about Japanese stereotypes and apply it to South America, and, you know, it all becomes clear. Yeah, it'd be like Indiana Jones knowing an ancient Peruvian language because he rode with uh, with uh, Poncho. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> another, yeah, another thing that just annoys the shit out of me is when you have characters that otherwise speak English, but they're saying amigo. It, I know a lot of Hispanic people, and I've never heard the word amigo come out of their mouth ever. Yeah, actually, actually, uh, I work with two artists that are both uh, the Spanish speakers, and uh, they never said amigo. And one of them actually lives in Brazil, don't, uh, don't No, they? no, in, in in Uruguay. Ah, which is close to which shares a border with Brazil. Yeah, so it's close. Yeah, and uh, let's see here. Yeah, and overall, there's all these episodes that are like that. Cloudfather is the one about Lisa's father who uh, who uh, who shares who shares a connection with the coyote trickster spirit. And that was 50% chance that was a backdoor pilot. Now, 50% backdoor pilot, 50%. Hey, here's some backstory about Elisa's family. And, uh, you know, they also had the episode where they're in the, the Mark of the Panther. That was a backdoor pilot. There's 50% backdoor pilot, 50% Lisa, Elisa's family. Now, come on, you, you have you have you have two two people protecting uh, protecting the the uh, the the jungles of Africa that can turn into panthers to protect the jungles of Africa. That what is that? Neil backdoor pilot. <laughs> it's a backdoor something. 
<laughs> but 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 yeah, let's see here. You also have a, you know, around around then is when the is when the uh, backdoor pilots ceased. You had uh, oh one more backdoor pilot came up. One more backdoor pilot, um, where the uh, where Goliath, Elisa, and Bronx arrived to a post-apocalyptic New York. The end of the episode has Goliath throwing the Phoenix Gate up into the sky and banishing it into all time. That was a backdoor pilot, because yeah. what's, what happens is 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 uh, Weissman explained Lexington finds the Phoenix Gate and then travels through time and has adventures and then comes back. Well, that's Brooklyn you're talking about. No, it was Lexington. No, it was Brooklyn. Okay, it was Brooklyn. You're right. I, I got... Yeah, I'm just saying because they re they recycled that uh, proposal into the. Uh, Slave labor, slave labor graphics, gargoyles comic that came out a few years ago, which was not that good. No, I love the I love, I love the last few pages of the last issue, but you know beyond that, it, it it was a lot. Let's put it this way: the the slave labor graphics comic series was a hell of a lot better than the Marvel comics graphic series. You know, well that's that's true, but you know it's still it's still only barely a step up from IDW. Oh come on, Ben. <laughs> What? So IDW said, I'm sorry. You're so bitter. Neil, what's IDW? It's Dreamwave in disguise. That's what you are. Anyways, uh, what really saves the show for me is the last is the last uh, saga, the uh, the uh, where they they finally culminate and and end the whole hunter subplot they had running through it. Where these are the final three episodes, they finally got TMS back because they had lots of egg comment between. Let me just say that. And Hunter's Moon really, you know, says, okay, here here's the final episode. You know, you know, Xanatos is now an ally of the Gargoyles and is going out of his way to protect them now. They're back in the castle. Everyone's happy. That's the end. And then all of a sudden, the Goliath Chronicles. Uh, and the funny thing is they actually reached 65 episodes without the Goliath Chronicles. So they did reach the magic syndication number, guys. I, was the, I thought, so what, is 65 the syndication number? Yep. Yeah. Which is funny because the first, the first season is 13 episodes, and the second one's pretty much set, pretty much, let's get to 65. Just like how Transformers was, actually. Yeah, because basically what that enables them to do is sell the show for syndication five days a week for 13 weeks straight, which is a quarter of the year. And that's hmm. that was like the standard for from like the early 80s to I think the mid 90s, at least until Cartoon Network came along and was like, yeah, we don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, we could just have shows nonstop now. Um, actually, Ben, just because I was thinking about that Hunter's Moon, technically there was a one more backdoor pilot that you didn't talk about, and that was the Bad Guys series. That's right. They they're gonna have a pitch that will serve like the Suicide Squad, where the uh, where the the pack is 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 now working for the government as like as like a uh, troubleshooting ninja consultant team. Yeah, because they had watch out. <laughs> I never waste my time talking. <laughs> whenever there's a whenever there's a troubleshooting team, I have to do that joke. I'm sorry. It's it's just yeah, writes it's... itself. <laughs> no, because I mean, yeah, but I mean, what did they have in there? They had the female hunter. They had uh, the uh, one of the Japanese gargoyles, Dingo, and his uh, silvery nanotech friend showed up. And oh, God, it's been a while since I watched it's gargoyles. A couple, couple members of the pack are in that actually. I, I think I, yeah. Well, there's Dingo and uh, and the baby. What was the and the what? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was hungry. Seth Green. Uh, no, it's one of the mutates, wasn't in there. What? One of the mutates was in that was going to be in that series too. Yeah, and you know what? It, they actually made that comic too. And and I I, I got to ask the the problem I have <laughs> with the title is the bad guys. It's God, the bad guys. It, it really. They're not going to call it Redemption Squad. That's, that's kind of like having a bad guy named Darth Sidious. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't possibly be evil. I wonder if he's the bad guy. Or have a or have a count named Count Dooku. <laughs> du- duty. 
But uh, but yeah, let's talk about the Goliath Chronicles, where basically Disney got back in control. And um, number one, the first thing they did was uh, they did this series called. They decided to uh, rip off some elements from X Men, like you know how X Men has the Friends of Humanity. They decided they needed their own Ku Klux Klan, uh, uh, you know, uh, complete with hoods. Yeah, version called the was it the the Quarrymen, and instead of singing songs in Liverpool, they tried to bust gargoyles with energy hammers. Yes, and. Uh, you didn't get I'm the, sorry. You didn't get the Quarrymen joke. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. Okay, the Beatles' original name were the Quarrymen. I did not know that. That's actually kind of cool. So yes. Anyways, um, and and it's it's this whole you know teaching it about tolerance and intolerance by having these anti-gargoyle people. And that's the biggest thing I have to ask. Okay, you're trying to create an anti-gargoyle group. Okay, and you decide. Okay, we need hoods. It's like. Who decides this? I mean, you know, it's like they should have a PR person like, you know, the hood thing is kind of gives a negative connotation. If you want more members, you might want to think of something else like baseball caps. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like the public relations person is like, oh, you have to look as evil as possible. You know, I, I'm going to have to veto the baseball caps thing because you have to remember this is the 90s and they would have turned them sideways. <laughs> uh, not sideways. Yo, G, what's up? Yo, Holmes, the Bel Air! Oh, West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> On the playgrounds where I spent most of my days. Damn it, you can't say that and not expect Still somebody else. Relax it and acting all cool. Shooting some b-ball up after school? Oh, God, okay, can we just... Oh, God. <laughs> it's a sickness is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways... Oh Lord! I, I still, I still have the question. You know, when you when you make the villain the you know the anti-tolerant, uh, you know, racist image villain, like oh we have to have hoods. You know, it, it's it, it's very cartoonish. And power armor, apparently. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's just sort of like you know, at least the Friends of Humanity says no, we're not going to have the Friends of Humanity wear hoods. We're going to have them just you know wear berets. And that that's a little bit better. No, it doesn't. A little bit better. I mean, if you're going to have some bad guys, like anti-something group, hoods, berets doesn't seem threat. It's not threatening at all. Yeah, because it or, makes it seem like they'll just give up at the drop of a hat. Flint wore a beret. Yeah. The Heinemann wears a beret. Okay, I'll give you that I was making a one. Frenchie joke. Yeah. I but know. The Heinemann, you, you, you can't say the beret's wimpy when there's the Heinemann. Okay. Yeah, and the most epic stash in the history of television, though not as epic as Magnum. Yeah, the, the Heinemann. Gyroscopic stabilizers. Anyways, the yeah. Uh... Oh, <laughs> Anyways, with uh, with the Goliath Chronicles, this whole show is really bad. They did find ways to like uh, kill off Love's loose ends, like uh, like oh here's a story where you know those evil clones of the gargles. Oh, they died. <laughs> did they actually die or are they just frozen in stone they froze in stone with science so there's no magic <laughs> science <laughs> oh yes and then they were created and more or less killed by dr frankenfurter yes yeah, so who was voiced by tim curry that's right and uh, this this series is is gotten really bad. They did an episode about where where Lex, where uh, where Hudson's blind friend and him take out some quarrymen in the dark using their attuned blindness senses. God. Uh, oh God. I think the, wor- the worst one for for me in in Goliath Chronicles, just because it seems so dumb and it's been done to death a million times before is uh waking up in an alternate universe which happened in for for it may come true where goliath wakes up and he's human and married to elisa and he has kids and he's working for xanatos and it's all to teach him a very important lesson and i'm like really what i love is the last episode is is the gargoyle save him the quarryman you know, look like villains now, even though, you know, they wore hoods. And... Had energy hammers and 
destroyed and, public property. And uh, and that was the last episode. And they're like, okay, it's all done. Dust off our hands. And then how far along is Disney releasing those DVD sets, Neil? They stopped at about halfway through season two. And that was like five or six years ago. 2005. December yeah. 2005. So it's a long shot, but it could the second half could still happen. Mm. I doubt it. No, it's done. Look, Ben, I'd Stick like to have a little bit of hope. Just, just, a, just a smidge. Okay. Well, it, overall, is it even series... on Hulu or uh, or iTunes? No. Or no, no. Oh, okay. But, but overall, this series is is okay. It, it's it's good. I enjoy it, but I think it's overrated. This really isn't Disney's answer to TAS. It, it's too uneven for it because the, even in the first two seasons, you can you can you can sense a bit of a mouse poking through. Uh, but where is the mouse poking through and into what? No. Well, like like when they did the environmentalism episodes and and th- that was a little bit of a mouse. The mouse was was coming through. The mouse was like, hi, you know, you know, I can't do the Mickey voice, you know. Yeah. But, it's like, oh, I'm going right up your backside, kids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No, I mean the one thing I got to talk about is okay. I read a lot of the. Uh, I don't know what do you call them, the tie-in comics that came out in the 90s from, like, Marvel and DC. Like, I read the Superman TAS comic, the Batman TAS comic, and, well, I damn near shit myself when the Gargoyles comic came out, which lasted for maybe a year, I think it was. And then the one thing I took about, away from it was there was, like, one issue pre-Angela where Broadway falls in love with a vampire. Oh God! But uh, another episode, we we another thing we had to talk about with gargoyles and Greg Weisman is Greg Weisman loves to go back to gargoyles because that's all he's got. That's literally okay. all he's got. So like he was he briefly wrote some episode some issues of uh, I can't believe it's not Justice League you know Justice League Europe, and he decided okay I'm going to have the Justice League Europe meet the gargoyles. Oh God! I rem- I think I had that comic at one time. Oh my God. He just made them change yeah. all their names so he wouldn't get in trouble with Disney. But uh, no, this, yeah, like it's the, the fucking... Hudson character was the the CN or whatever. Yeah, the... because they're in Paris, so it's uh, oh, but it's God. exact same characters, exact same plot. But yeah, that's uh, and then you know when they were working when they were about to do an Atlantis the series based off of the uh, the um, Nadia's secret. Oh wait, and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It, it, Greg Weisman wrote an episode where Demona fights the hunter in Atlantis. So according to Greg Weisman, Atlantis, the Disney movie, is in the same continuity as Gargoyles. I could see that, but that's still stretching. And by the way, that was supposed to have a TV series, and that had a five-part episode. That yeah. they released as a movie. Yeah. Which is not very good, because much like the She-Ra movie, you can tell it's a five-part episode. Well, much like, well, the thing is, the original Atlantis movie was done by Disney's animation team, and the others in the actual TV show was done by Acom. Yeah, and you can really tell. It's done by Acom doing that that style that you should never ask anyone but the Disney animation team to do. Because that style looks weird, and Disney was barely able to pull it off. And Uncle Walt is just rolling in his grave. Yeah. <laughs> My name is like on a ACOM. <laughs> like a centrifuge. Yeah. Well, that's how they power Disney World. <laughs> what, in the crushed hopes and dreams of its staff members? They just, have, they just have Walt Disney p- perpetually rolling in his grave, and that powers well, the whole well, thing. Well, he's frozen, first of all. So, so what you're saying is Disney has created a perpetual motion machine and is using it to uh, power their unholy empire. Makes a difference who you are. Anyways. <laughs> Actually, but, what they could do is just, like, take a piece of buttered toast and put it on the back of a cat and drop it, because cats always land on their feet, and, and buttered toast will always land butter side down. So when you <laughs> drop it, it just stops short and starts spinning. <laughs> That's actually funny. Oh, God. You're anyway. just like... <laughs> Anyways, uh, with Gargoyles, you know, like I said, Greg Weissman keeps on coming back to it. Even when with Spectacular Spider-Man, he's like, oh, New York, I can draw the gargoyles on the buildings. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I remember that one. And 
and say what you will about Wiseman. I mean, the fact that they had a convention for annually for a few years based on the series was uh, that says something about the the about the quality of the series overall. Not really. You can have fans. You can have fans of shit. Well, I'm not saying Gargoyles of shit, but I'm just saying you can easily have fans of shit. I mean, we did we did the uh, the okay. truth about the John Semper episode, and there's there's a line of people that are ready to uh, get the Semper brand mayonnaise. Yeah. Ready to defend that Creeporia. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and uh, I was just looking on the wiki here, Ben. Do you remember the uh, Gargoyles parody in Freakazoid? Yes, that was hilarious. Where, where Freakazoid, Freakazoid's like, if I give you this, will you shut up? Yeah. And there's also, because I'm looking, oh, and I remember that episode where Freakazoid's doing like a Batman thing on a gargoyle, and it's like, hey, it's Goliath. <laughs> it's like, so right, so right. Yeah. No. No, the premise, seem- is, the premise is great, and the execution is, is overall okay to good, but I, I think it, I think Gargoyles is overrated. Yeah. I I wouldn't say overrated. I think it's underappreciated, in, at, at least today, by a lot of, by the guy, like people like us who know it and have a lot of love for it, or at least myself. I mean, well, I, well the biggest problem I have is, you know, back to the Japanese gargoyle series is, you know, the Japanese don't have gargoyles. First of all, they they have they have giant lion statues. If you had like the Japanese gargoyles be those, I'd be cool. But no, they they went like, oh, they're they're just like the other gargoyles, but they're wearing Japanese clothes. I'm like, sell out. <laughs> Yeah. You know, just look at some Japanese architecture and figure out what fits with that versus saying, oh, we're going to take away what we have and make it in, and push the square peg into a round hole. I, I, I'd i say, well, I could argue that, you know, well, maybe some gargoyles migrated to Japan, you know. But, but if you, if you, but, you know, the certain gargoyles that they have, you know, are based off of what, you know, English castles have and stuff, and that that's kind of okay. But then if you go in the other way by saying, oh, but, you know, there's other gargoyles around the world, but you don't use what the actual stone statues around the world are and say, oh, they're just exactly the, like the ones that we know about in England, just, you know, with different clothes on. I'm like, that's lazy. You know, I just had a thought. Uh, the gargoyles were revived when the castle was raised above the sky, right? Yes. So how long were the other gargoyles hanging around, like, Japan or, or, or uh, South America? How long were they there? And were, well, they, were they subject to the same curse? No, they weren't. The whole implication okay. was it was only the Scottish clan that was cursed, but the other ones were able to eke out and survive with, uh, <laughs> with an inadequate gene pool for, for a thousand years. Oh, I see. Oh, great. You just have to bring logic into it, Ben. Great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's guys like you that make me not want to watch cartoons, because as soon as I know, as I find something that I like and I want to watch, there's going to be somebody like you poking freaking holes in it. The holes were already there. No, they weren't. Neil? Yeah, he's not really poking holes in it so much as he's knocking the Bondo off of it. It, uh, consider me consider me like your house inspector you bought a house you love the house and i come in to make sure it's up to code <laughs> if you happen if your house had to be built by a, a shit craftsman it's not my fault just, just you know, let me enjoy my cartoons pen stop well, well, but the, the, the code says this is an, an uninhabitable ben, stop bringing reality into cartoons but is this the real life or is this just fantasy. Anyways, uh, any other notes about Gargoyles, guys? Other than uh, it's never going to be completed? Well, there's that. And I don't know if have you ever... Did you tell... Does Neil know about the whole uh, Greg Wiseman witch thing you were telling me about? No. Oh, oh, Greg Wiseman did witch. Yeah, mm. but that where you're telling me about how he freaked out on somebody. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a fan interview. Where a fan's like, oh, I didn't think which was that great. And Greg Reisman threw like this this two-year-old style hissy fit. Like, how dare you not like Witch? Witch is the best show that was made for girls and, and all this. I'm like, whoa, Greg, calm down. I think Lauren Foss might have something to say about that. <laughs> Brony. Yeah. All right. So uh, Gargoyles, I would say... Watch it if you can. I wouldn't pay money to watch it, but I would watch it and I would I would enjoy it. Uh, Neil? Yeah, you should uh, 
see if it's like on Netflix or something or uh, excuse me <coughs> YouTube. <coughs> you know, it, get, find it wherever you can, and uh, if you see a shitty episode every now and then, you know, it happens. Yes, it does. And uh, like I said, I have to take back what I said about Michael Reeves. Michael Reeves, you are a good writer. And uh, you did some of the best episodes of Gargoyles, and I'll forgive you for, for that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode you did. And uh, JT? Uh, if you're a father and you want to watch something Disney other than what is currently on the Disney Channel, get Gargoyles. I, I, I recommend it to anybody who likes a, like likes a good show and this i think this is overall a very good show yeah and i think another thing is just a quick segue before we end the show is you know how the disney actor didn't did those in between show stingers that shows all the characters gathering together and having fun and stuff mm-hmm. yeah what's really funny is you know all the other characters you know the ducktails the uh, tailspin characters the darkwing duck characters all having fun that that sort of fits and all that and then all of a sudden you have goliath standing there it's like <laughs> it's like yeah that, that that's kind of awkward I am humorless. I don't relate to these people at all. <laughs> I have a giant chin. But you know what I mean. It, it, it's, I know. Yeah, no, it, it was just so out of place. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's all these fun little cute characters. And, oh, and here's Goliath just standing there looking like he's about to rip someone in half. Although I wish there would have been a scene with Goliath uh, punting the marsupilami for a field goal because that would have just made my year. <laughs> yeah, well, you know they never that. got real new animation for that. They just they just took the uh, the character cells that were already animated and just put them on a white background. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying because I think marsupilami is one of the most useless cartoons that Disney ever produced. You know, the funny thing is I actually wiped that from my mind and didn't remember it until you just mentioned it. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'm remembering this shit now. Well, you scar my mind, I scar yours. It's a cycle. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, uh, this is your host, Ben. With TV's Mr. Neil. And JT from Saskatoon. And we're saying goodnight. So long. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. So uh, I was rewatching uh, TMNT 2003 a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and I realized something. After after the big battle with the Utrom Shredder in season uh, four, after that fair. episode, Leo is missing a chunk of his shell for the rest of the sh- sh- series. Yeah. Do you That's... actually see him lose that, or is it just like he takes a kick to the back, and the next scene it's like piece is missing? I think it shows them losing it. Yeah, I noticed that too. Just I was like, "Hey, battle damage." I'm not expecting to be scarred all to hell and back, but it was nice to see that you know, unlike the original animated series where they got whomped a lot, they're not like a walking bruise. At least you know you see some. There is effects. I mean, because I think that with any cartoon like that, when there's fighting, you, you never see damage. It's like you know, G.I. Joe, how many guys should have, like, laser burn scars or something from all the red lasers that hit them? Because, <laughs> I mean, what's the point of having a medic on the team if all you're going to do is play laser tag with the bad guys? Yeah, that guy must have, like, a first aid kit and nothing else. Well, he, he might have an Uber gun. Maybe team he's Fortress, got a purple ray. Purp- uh, team Fortress? I never really, I never <laughs> really played Team Fortress. <laughs> what was the name of that character? Lifeline? Well, there was Doc, who's like the black guy with like the beige khakis, and then the other <laughs> Lifeline. I like I like Doc a lot better. Lifeline seemed kind of like a pussy. Well, he was a pacifist. I know, but he was kind of like I don't <laughs> fight. I'm like, what what are you on this show for? Get out of here. So did you see that trailer for the Green Arrow show, Neil? I have not seen it. I mean, it's the CW. It doesn't look ha- I, I'm going to say it looks decent and I'm surprised that it looks this good. 
So I'm hopeful. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this because it looks really cool, and then you see this guy running around in a green hoodie. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to base too much off a of trailer. So are they trying to make it look like the Dark Knight? Honestly, watching the trailer, I I get the sense that they're they're making it. Um, I think it's closer to like the Longbow Hunters era Green Arrow. I know, but I, just the feel of this trailer feels like they're they're like. Oh yeah, we we uh, we ask uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, former roommate to do this. Yeah, I know. I was reading on uh, was it Comics Alliance is where you know I saw the article on there about this. So I was like, oh, a new trailer. Okay, let's check this out. And they make reference to the CW's Nikita show. Mm. That it's more in tune with that than. The earlier one day I will become Superman, but I'm gonna take ten years DC show, which I like that reference. Like that, we're not gonna actually call it by its proper name. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I would hope that uh, this gets a season order and not uh, Lana Lang and some dude with a Jekyll and Hyde complex. I mean, the Beauty and the Beast show. Cause That's how Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton started out. And that was a great show. <laughs> but this new one is starring Kristen Crook, who I still haven't forgiven for that god-awful Street Fighter movie. And how dare they call that a Street Fighter movie to begin with. Because <laughs> that was not a Street Fighter movie. You're talking about The Legend of Chun-Li. I don't know what you're talking about, Neil. <laughs> I refuse to call it by its name. It makes the Van Damme movie look like freaking Shakespeare. The Van, the Van Damme movie already was Shakespeare dead. You all know this. Yeah, I've, I've, kind, of, I've kind of flip-flopped on the uh, on the whole Van Damme movie. I used to think it was like the most atrocious thing ever. I'm like, wait a minute. This is secretly the greatest comedy film of all time. And, Does and know, Mother know you're wearing vine drapes? Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, when Neil and I did that uh, you know, bad movies we love thing on my own show, you know, that was, I think, was that yours or mine, Neil? I can't, I forget. It's been a while. Um, was that the one that we never finished? No, or, that's nope. the one we finished. The, the, the one we never finished was the TV shows we wish would have gone longer. Oh, that's you know, right. And then my teeth decided to betray me at the most critical junction. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I actually deleted the audio that I saved from that. I was yeah, just I'm, like, I'm ah, pretty sure I ah, still have the oh, thing in its entirety. Junction, junction, what's your function? Oh, we should God. do an episode of Schoolhouse Rock, Neil. Okay. But yeah, it's. Uh, 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 I need. I need, I definitely need to go see the Avengers again, if only to watch the sting that is Channing Tatum. Did you see? I'm did you gonna... see the the after credits part too? Oh yeah, no. I watched. Shwarma. I stayed till the end. <laughs> I like that. There's Shorma. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. <laughs> and they're just sitting there looking bored, Walt. Walt. Thor just eats and eats. I, I, I was waiting for uh, Ruffalo to turn to RDJ and say, you know what, this is pretty good. And is it just me or did it look like Hawkeye was asleep in the chair the whole time? Yeah. He's just like, oh, I'm going to doze off right now. <laughs> I like the Legolas joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. What did he say, clench it together or something? Yeah. Yeah. I, know, my, I, I still, my two favorite words in the whole movie were you know, Hulk, smash. Neil, you still need to see this. Okay. I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your new avatar, Neil. I'm waiting for it to blow up. <laughs> Wait, waiting for Ozzy waiting to see, shoot it. Do you see Neil's avatar, JT? Say what? On Skype, J, Neil's new avatar. Oh, yeah. I said I'm waiting for it to blow up. Why would you want it to blow up? Ugh. Neil, explain it to him. Um, I keep I keep defaulting to the cover of uh, ACDC's "Blow Up Your Video" uh, album. Oh. But he might be referencing something else. Um, the end of the music video UHF. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Actually, that's that's kind of a trope that happens in a lot of shit. The the television exploding. Also, didn't uh, didn't the early MTV, uh, you know, stingers have the TV exploding? I think they did. Yeah, didn't like a sledgehammer hit it or something? 
I don't know. That's what MTV makes you want to do now. Sledgehammer. Oh, man. I just realized that I bought a bunch of DVDs the other day, and I have yet to take them out of the plastic. What the hell? Yeah, let's see uh-huh. here. Oh, I finally found the, what is it, the 19, like the 93 Three Musketeers from Disney with, like, Kiefer Sutherland, and I've been looking for that for years. I actually found it for, like, 10 bucks. Is that the one with We Do It All for Love music? Yeah, it's Sting, Rod Stewart, and Brian Adams. That's the one you're talking about. But at the same time, I also found one of my favorite horror movies of all time, Night of the Creeps. So, you know, it all balances out. Okay. What is a Cybermat? What the fuck is that? Something from Doctor Who, apparently. I'm a Doctor Who fan. I don't even know what the fuck this is. I don't, I don't know. JT, you're a Doctor Who guy. Or maybe it isn't. There's just there's one Doctor Who. Oh, wait. No, it looks like the same thing. I, I've never seen this before. I've seen this one. It's uh, at least the newer ones. Uh, Build a Cyberman. Jeez. Robot sperm. So who who are we going to get for Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons? Um, I haven't asked yet. I'm going to try to get Bob Mackie again. Okay. So, uh, JT, did you have a show with, with uh, Blanchard? Yeah. Well, he uh, messaged me on Skype a while ago. He'll be back probably in about 15 minutes. We're doing, like, I'm coming on to talk about the, the wrap-up episode for the Superhero Spotlight on Tooncast Beyond. Okay. Or the... And I'm coming in on the Marvel section because we did like four episodes on Tuesday. All right. Well, you guys have a good afternoon. Bye. Bye. Okay. So we we ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Hello. <coughs> Pardon me. A little something in my throat. <laughs> We're keeping that. You are not keeping that deal. <laughs>